When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, special edition Williams and Bloom here. Early weekend edition. English bringing you in. Really, uh, really glad that we're able to do this one today. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic joined us. And uh, I give Bloom most of the credit here. He has all the data. He's the data guy. If you guys have listened to us for any period of time, you know that. It felt good to, to share what I've been harboring for, for many, many weeks now, Chris. You've been throwing it out there. You've been, uh, you've been doing listened, a good job. And he listened to it. He did. nice. Uh, we're just going to set the table here for our interview with Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. Um, yeah, Bloom. Uh, I, first of all, it was, I give Stuart a lot of credit for coming on the show because, you know, that's not a – he doesn't know us. I mean, he knows a couple of people who know me, but that's, that's about it. Um, we didn't want to bombard him and be rude – any of that stuff. We didn't want this to be one of those interviews, and it was not. Um, I I don't know if we got our point completely across, but I do know that he's not a guy. And, I mean, I know most of these people through some – they're not rooting for Iowa State to end up in the MAC. It's, it's not like that. But I still think there's a bit of a disconnect compared to what's going on in Ames compared to what people believe on a national front. What did you think of the interview? Yeah, I know. I th- about when is I expected almost. Yeah. I mean, okay, they're in a tough spot. I mean, they clearly, they can't, they don't know everything about Iowa State that we do. And so perceived slights that we have may not be yeah. intentional. We're, we're sensitive <clears throat> right now. We see everything. And yeah. I, for we're good reason. We're overly sensitive like, this right is, now. This is as an emotional time as there's been as an Iowa State fan. And so we, we see and hear everything. I, you can't expect a national writer for the athletic to understand all of that. But yet I think we hopefully got a little bit of our point across of why Iowa state fans feel this way and tried to give you guys voice as to why it's been frustrating the last month of, of what we're all going through. And to a guy that has a pretty big bullhorn uh, nationally with Stewart, we invited him to Ames. We did. We'll see if he takes our, invi- I even let him uh, stay at my house. If he wants, he, did, he didn't exactly jump on. I that. think he might have thought that was weird. <laughs> You've Sorry. seen my basement. It's a nice basement. It's a great place and, to stay. And everybody's met Dirks on the, the podcast. Dirk, the dogs, dogs here. I literally have like three hundred bottles of whiskey 
in my basement that are wide open. I would share any of them. I know. I, I know. You got would. everything from Cody Road to Blanton's. I would nice here. Yeah, we would. Uh, we would welcome it. But again, I'm glad that he came on. I, I do feel better about everything. I still think that the national media is missing on some of the streaming stuff, but that's just me, and I'm using my own contacts in that industry. And there could be, I could be wrong, and I I'm open to that. I still think there's going to be more players in this realignment game in the next five years than a lot of the national media is giving. Well, and as to. we'll get into, there needs to be yes, or else. Or it's, it's going to be gonna, bad for the sport. Be tough, tough for the sport, and and also Iowa State. This is really good stuff, though. We appreciate. He's a really good guy. Uh, we enjoyed it. Stuart Mandel from the Athletic. He joined us earlier today. Uh, we did this on Friday afternoon on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right, Bloom. Well, I'm excited about this. We we actually talked about this last week. Uh, Stuart Mandel from the Athletic joins us and. Stuart, I, I'm a huge fan of The Athletic. I've been a subscriber since day one. and I, Same. Last thing we wanted to do was be like, oh, this is like a confrontational meeting. We, the, I think it's the best place to get um, college football stuff. So good job on that. You've been um, – it's a great team. Scott Docterman's the man, by the way. Uh, shout out to Doc. He's Scott our- is the man. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. So we wanted to talk about, um, you know, this Big 12 stuff. I think that I wanted to bounce this off of you. I've been in the media almost 20 years. Like nobody thinks that like, oh, the national writers have it out against Iowa State and the Big 12. Like that's not like a, that's not like a thing. Have you found though, like that just by reporting, like anything you report right now, it feels like because everybody is so overly sensitive, do you think Mm -hmm. they're coming at you more? Like, do you feel that just a little bit? Um, there've certainly been, uh, some people, uh, you know, people with you know, of the fans of the schools that are being affected who, uh, and I get it, feel like there's, uh, some attempt to, um, denigrate them, I guess. Yeah, sure. And that's just not the case. I think it's kind of a, I mean, the whole thing to me, that's been the unfortunate part of reporting on this is, um, nobody takes any joy in the fact that these eight schools are in the position that they're in. Um, and I can imagine how sensitive a fan would be of Iowa state to have to, to read a story on the athletic that basically says, Oh, they don't bring any value. Right. There's a, you see that quote a lot, Yep. but I'm not really sure how else to handle it because we want to give people, you know, I mean, you just saw what happened, right? The PAC 12 just, decided that there wasn't anybody that they wanted to expand for. So we could try to sugarcoat it or we could report what we're actually hearing from the the people involved. And, um, for myself in particular, um, because I used to work at Fox, uh, and just because I'm interested in it, I've just learned a lot about the TV sports Mm -hmm. TV industry. And I have a lot of contacts there and well before Oklahoma and Texas left, I kind of, had some understanding of this dynamic where they are responsible for the number that's being floated around 50%. It could be more, it could be less. I don't know of, of the TV value. So um, I hate it for the eight schools that are affected because they're to just, uh, especially let's just talk about Iowa state specifically yeah. for this to come up right before 
their most anticipated season in history and this you know, top six or seven team in the polls and having a huge season and to have, you know, all this, this stuff come up. That's like, Oh, you're not wanted must be um, extremely frustrating. It reminds me a little bit of, and this was a, a more, this is a much different topic, obviously, but last summer when the big 10 was deciding whether or not to play and then whether, once they canceled, whether or not to come back and play, it, it was very emotional. People were very heated and we got, you know, me and, and Nicole Auerbach, we got a lot of backlash from big 10 fans for daring to report that they might cancel the season or that they, uh, you know, that yeah. there was like a parody Twitter account who's every day was like, they're going to meet tomorrow to re- restart the season. I was like, that's not true. That's just not true. Um, so anyway, I'm sure there are <laughs> sources you can go to that would tell you a, a rosier picture, but I mean, this is, this is the reality of the situation right now. So you're confirming you don't hate Iowa state then before we keep, keep going. You don't despise. I don't hate Iowa state. <laughs> I, I love Iowa state. There you, uh, go. <laughs> you know, uh, one of my, you know, I think one of the all time coolest uh, games since I've been covering it was the Friday night, Oklahoma state uh, upset. That was great. Yeah. Uh, it came out in seemingly nowhere and it shook up that whole season and you just, you know, I mean, you guys have not had a lot of moments like that, unfortunately. So it's always, I'm always happy. I haven't gone to a school that had limited football success up until recently. Uh, I always love seeing like the quote unquote little guy have its moment. Unfortunately, right now their moment is being, um, I don't want, I hope you don't feel it's being overshadowed, but obviously this other less pleasant storyline is, is hovering over everything. Yeah. I, and it makes total sense, Stuart. And uh, maybe walk down a path with me. So, you know, obviously we mentioned the TV part and I thought your article you wrote at the end of July, which was what, what a couple days after the Oklahoma and Texas news broke really was enlightening for everybody that read that or they, they read that. And I think the first reaction me included was, Oh no, these eight are really in trouble because you did a, you know, a good job of outlining, you know, a, a couple of different things that, that really hit home. And I think the national narrative, because of the big voice you had really took off from that. Now, obviously you're getting that information from TV executives, which is part of it. But one thing that I think is trying to give a voice for the, the eight here that I thought would love to have a conversation with you about and got misrepresented a little bit is, you know, you, you point out in that article that 33 of the 38 games that aired on ABC or Fox or the over-the-air uh, television games for the Big 12 over the la- in 2018 and 2019, which you based your article on, included either Texas or Oklahoma. And I think it comes down to, fr- from our end, then is, is this a chicken or the egg argument, right? Where, I mean, it, can you kill, can you blame these other eight for not getting the TV ratings when they're not even on the over the air uh, television stations would get the ratings anyway. I mean, I ran the numbers as well uh, off of what you did and Oklahoma was on over the air in those two years, 23 times, Texas was 15, Iowa state was three. And so when you point out then, you know, earlier in the article of, you know, Oklahoma's gotten 4 million average viewers, Texas has been three and a half and the other eight have averaged 900,000. Well, I look at that and go, well, is this really a time slot and channel issue rather than a brand issue? And then if you go apples to apples and you look at, okay, well, the times Texas was on Fox Sports 1, they actually only averaged 1.1 million viewers. Uh, the other eight were, 
you know, around 800,000 for that. That's a lot, seems like a lot closer than the, the 4 million to 900,000. And in fact, Iowa State, West Virginia has, was the most viewed Big 12 game on Fox Sports 1 in those two years. And so I guess on our end, it's frustrating when you see that big number of, oh, these, these eight have no value. And without Texas and Oklahoma, they're, you know, almost irrelevant. When in all actuality, is this really a case of the TV networks not giving these eight uh, the actual primetime slots to create themselves some value? And I know I just threw a lot out at you, but I think um, that part of it, you know, if you dig, a, dig deep, make a deeper dive into that is, is where the frustration grows for these the, the eight programs that, that feel voiceless right now. First of all, I'm amazed that you pulled that 33 out of 38 stat. He, he's not looking at anything. He just recited he's that. He's amazing. Yeah. He's a- ass, I'm furiously trying to pull up my spreadsheet <laughs> yeah. from when I did this story. I have You're a, right. There, I have a there is no question. Yeah. There's, there's no question network time slot affect those numbers considerably. Um, that's why when I did the um, big 12 to leftover big 12 to AAC comparison, you know, I did straight up ABC, ESPN, ESPN two, uh, because any game on FS one tends to drag those numbers down. Sure. Um, but as part, let me just, unless it's a big brand name school. So for instance, most of those big 12 games on FS one, I'm just looking at over here are like 500, 600,000 on the, on the high end, 700,000, maybe. Yeah. And Iowa state had a couple in the, in the 1.1, 1.2 neighborhood, but yes, most of them are in that neighborhood. Yeah. Whereas in it, and whereas a 2018, Indiana, Michigan game got 2.3 million or a Minnesota, Ohio state game got 2.4 million, even on FS one. So it goes to show you like when you, wherever those teams are, people find them. Um, so I think, um, I think the, you know, I think I started on the premise of, I think before I even got into the numbers, the fact that those two schools were picked 33 of the 38 times is a pretty good reflection of just the way those networks think. I, I, right? I agree. Yep. If, if they thought that, and, and I, by the way, I, you know, these were from 2018 and 2019, Iowa state is going to, if they are, have the kind of season we think they will, will probably be on these networks a lot this yeah, year. And right? actually their 2020 numbers were way better than 18 to 19 because they were on the right. bigger channels more often. I threw out 2020 just because it was such a weird Get season it. and yep. TV numbers were down, but I've also seen, by the way, people took this way further than I did. I think it was a Baylor site. Yes, did saw that one. Back to 2013. Yes. And and a lot of those schools end up looking better because it was before OU began this run of, of dominance. And, you know, we all remember when uh, Art Bryles was at Baylor and, and Trevon Boykin was at TCU. Like some of the biggest games in the conference were, were not OU or Texas. But, um, but, yeah, that's a reflection of how ESPN ESPN – and Fox think that they almost always default to those two schools for their, for their sure. top game. If they thought that they could do just as well with an Iowa state, West Virginia game, then they would put, put that on in the first place. So, so, so can I just make one bigger picture point here yes, that I think course. is helpful? Um, you know, one of the things that's, that I think is you, you, you noted that like when this story came out, it was, it was kind of a shock to a lot of people. And one of the things that's been hard to, um, to, to capture is how much the factors that drive realignment have changed from 2010 to now. If the PAC 12 had succeeded, well, it was PAC 10 then had succeeded in, you know, getting those six schools. I think the schools that were left behind would have been in better shape. 
than they are now because that was at the peak of cable TV and decisions were still being made uh, heavily around who can drive, who, who can we get that will add cable homes? Right. That's the only reason Maryland and Rutgers are in the big 10. They would not get added to the big 10 today because technology is changing. Everything's shifting to streaming and Texas and OU to the sec is kind of the aha moment of, Oh, this is really of just now it's going to be about who can get the most big brands uh, that, that draw eyeballs nationally because you can get, you know, let's, let's you know, project forward five, 10 years in the future. ESPN plus may be the, the thing that televises the biggest games. We don't know. And you will be able to get that from anywhere. It won't be like you have to be in X uh, market to get that channel on your cable dish or cable or dish. So that's all a long way of saying like, the 33 out of 38 stat to me, what that illustrates the most is like, these are the two schools that they consider to be national brands. And as we're seeing now with the PAC 12 news with the Alliance, that there are only so many schools that move the needle to that, to that extent and that they are in demand. And, and, uh, and there isn't like necessarily of these eight schools, anybody that can necessarily um, approach that. Yeah. So I guess then what, what does a school like Iowa state have to do then? Right. Because so, so here's Iowa state ranked seventh in the AP poll. They've now, this has not been just a one year thing. This has been now year five of a pretty consistent, successful run where Iowa state's been in the uh, college football playoff rankings. In fact, Iowa state's been 14 weeks in the college football rankings since 2017, Tennessee zero, Florida State zero, and Nebraska zero. And yet I think what frustrates, again, the Iowa State's the world is then you write an article, I think it was today in a, in a mailbag that said, you know, if Matt Campbell were to leave, he may look at a blue blood like Nebraska. And so it's like, well, is, is Nebraska really that far ahead of Iowa State right now? Or... You know, how does Iowa State get into that stratosphere if they're not even being allowed the time slots to create value? And it seems Mm -hmm. like we're in this vicious cycle of you're kind of helpless unless somebody in a TV boardroom decides that you're now valuable to get there. Because the on-field performance, it would seem, over the last four years and hopefully this year, would dictate more times and more value to get there. And it it just seems like if we're going to be left out here, okay, if these, these eight are left out and there's some pretty good programs, Oklahoma state's been consistently good. TCU has been good. Um, you know, Baylor, Kansas state, Baylor's had its moment. We've all, all, yeah, that's what's the shame of it. So so Um, are we, are we going to just leave these eight out permanently? Because if they can't ever get to that point, like you said, and become a brand, then, then what happens to them in in the context of college football? And well, I think there's, so first of all, Iowa State, um, you know, you, you referred to it as four or five years of consistency and winning, but really they really started to catch the national attention last season and, and reaching the Fiesta Bowl. And, you know, what can they do? The, the biggest thing they can do is win and keep winning. And, you know, when I look at Oklahoma, all those programs you just mentioned, they've all had their moments. Kansas State almost played in the national title game sure. uh, with Michael Bishop. And, you know, when, when Art Bryles had it going at Baylor, they were must see TV, but none of them have been able to, you know, go on that long run of national prominence. And, you know, for Iowa state, this is really just getting started. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to revisit this conversation in three or four or five years. If it turns into what it could turn into under Matt Campbell, where they're uh, winning big 12 championships. So there's a lot of luck, right. To realignment. The last two schools that got the call up, if you will, um, Utah and TCU, it's not a coincidence. It happened 
right after Utah had an undefeated season, within a couple of years of them having an undefeated season and beating Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I don't think the Pac-12 had ever even considered adding Utah before that. The Big 12 had always thumbed its nose at TCU. There was this, you know, now many times uh, told story that the first time to lost Dodds, the Texas AD reached out to Chris Del Conte when he was still at TCU to talk about possibly adding them. He didn't even know his name. So he called him uh, Dell. So, but then they went to the Rose Bowl and won the Rose Bowl and went undefeated. And now suddenly, yes, we absolutely want to have TCU. So it could be a matter of good timing if Iowa State has a dream season this year. Uh, because remember, the Pac-12 said we're not expanding for now. And this alliance is written on a, on a cocktail napkin. So <laughs> and then nobody, nobody thinks that like this is the way it's always going to be. The other thing is um, the, the, the silver lining for all these eight schools, like let's just assume that the big, these eight schools stay together. Maybe they add a couple of schools. Um, we are going to get a 12 team playoff at some point. I don't know if it'll be in two years or five years. We're going to get a 12 team playoff and that league, if it's, if it's a 12 team playoff with six automatic berths, that league is still going to be strong enough that if you win that league, the big tools, I assume it'll still be called the big 12, right? You're probably going to go to the playoff. And now with Oklahoma out of there, this is a chance for the other eight schools. If one of one or two of them can become a regular playoff team, uh, that's going to raise their, uh, their profile dramatically. Yep. Yeah. You're kind of punching at your own weight and Iowa state. That's one thing too, um, Stu on the, on behalf of Iowa state fans, it's just like, it's been this constant climb for the last 15 years, really since Jamie Pollard got there. And then you look around now, they bolt in the stadium you know, there's this $90 million football complex that's up there for the first time. And you feel like you're at the top of the mountain and then it's just you're getting cut off at the knees. And everybody's hyper sensitive to that. I want this is so I I'm kind of obsessed with this stuff too. And I'm like, especially the streaming companies getting involved, the Amazons of, of the world. And one thing I'd love to ask you about is basketball in the future. I understand where basketball is on the totem pole of all this realignment stuff. When it comes to like right now in the present time, it's really meaningless. My thought is though, in the, in this new world, whatever that is going to be five to 10 years from now and it's streaming where you've got to have subscriptions. If it's ESPN plus, if it's Amazon prime, whatever, like it, this is what gives me hope is an Iowa state guy is that inventory is going to become really key. And I don't think it was a fluke that when ESPN plus started airing big 12 games, as far as basketball goes, they had Iowa state and Kansas on because they knew they had the most energetic, yeah. energetic fan bases who would sign up and get accounts. How does that change things in 2024 and 25? Cause I, I didn't really expect the PAC 12 to do anything. Now there's no reason for the big 10 or the ACC to do it. I'm looking four or five years down the road. How do you think that impacts things? And like, to me, like Kansas isn't, doesn't have value. I mean, Kansas basketball has a lot of value. If it's coming to, you've got to subscribe to be able to watch them. Right. Yeah. Um, I think first of all, that anybody who claims to know what how the direction streaming is headed is lying. Uh, this is all brand new for the most part. I didn't know what Peacock was this time a year ago. Now they're going to show a Notre Dame game. Uh, it's, it's all evolving very rapidly. I don't think that, you know, people throw out like Netflix and Amazon, those companies have bigger priorities than 
than big 12 basketball or frankly, really any college, you know, I, I think they, they just want things that tens of millions of people will watch. Right. So, but if you're talking ESPN, if you're talking CBS has a streaming service, they want to get subscriptions to NBA. They all, all these companies have one. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the focus, as far as I can tell, the focus right now is big ticket games. The fact that when I thought it was pretty telling that, you know, like you said, that, that ESPN has had Kansas basketball, I, lo- I think it was six or eight Kansas basketball games last year on ESPN plus. Yep. And yet when, and we know this all started right. When, uh, the big 12 went to ESPN and Fox and said, we'd like to start yeah. and opening our negotiations early. And they said, no, we're not interested. So you would think if Kansas basketball had been a big driver of ESPN plus subscriptions, that that would have been a different response. Right. So that tells me that it wasn't necessarily driving subscriptions yet, but to your point, three years, four years, five years down the road, when, if more and more people are moving in this direction, maybe that changes. Um, I do know that the, um, I mean, I think the, I think what the PAC 12 strategy is going to be when their TV deal comes up because the PAC 12 network has been a colossal failure, but they still hold the rights to all those games and they can offer, you know, they're going to be able to offer up their entire inventory in this next round is that they're probably going to go to a, to a CBS or a, uh, NBC maybe and say, you know what, we'll, uh, if you pay us more, we'll let you have some of our better games and put them on your streaming service. We still want most of our better games to be on broadcast, but we'll throw a, we'll throw an Oregon USC game uh, and let you put it on Peacock. That to me is going to be at least in the short term, how this, what this looks like, but five years from now, is it more um, about quantity? It's like, we just need more and more, uh, you know, streaming is limitless. We want more and more stuff to put in our lineup. Yeah, quite possibly. Stuart, what do you what do you envision for the Big Twelve now? And let's say the eight remaining add two to four of the schools that have been talked about. Do you think that collection is still considered a Power Five football conference and would have a a de facto seat at the table in in any future college football going forward? I think that distinction becomes less meaningful once once the playoff expands. Right, right now it's very we use power five and group of five because there's literally a spot in that system reserved for the highest ranked group of five champion. If that's going away and it's just top six conferences, uh, regardless of which conference it is, then, I mean, theoretically the Mac could have a team that goes, I don't think they will, but they could have a, a, a team, right? So that distinction doesn't, doesn't matter as much. It's really just how much money can they still make with that configuration of teams. And I've seen, very pessimistic projections and where they're going to make, you know, AAC money. And I've seen very optimistic projections where it's not quite power five, but, but not as bad as you think. And that's just all going to depend on interest. Yeah. Um, and PAC 12 got very lucky in 2010, 2011, whenever I was, when Larry Scott first got there, that Comcast was trying to make a big push into live sports and made a run at the PAC 12 and ESPN and Fox basically joined forces to keep them out and way overpaid for the Pac-12. What will be the climate when the Big 12 goes to do their next deal? Will there be some new player who is willing to overpay to get this property? Or will it be, um, you know, will ESPN say, we're good. Like we've got this 16 team SEC now, 
we've got half the big 10. We're good. We don't need big 12 football. Is Fox going to say, uh, now, now there's no OU in Texas. We don't really care about that. Or are they going to say, uh, you know, we've got a lot of time slots and we don't have that many leagues. We don't have the sec at all. Like we need this. Mm-hmm. And there's just no way to predict that macro. So I think I heard Colin Cowherd, to be honest, use this comparison. I want to give him credit. It was, he was comparing the UFC to boxing and how back in the day boxing, it was all about promoters making their own money. And it was all everybody looking out for themselves. And then he said the UFC, well, they've got a guy, Dana White, and he's putting the best players against the best players. And, and, and that, that was just his example. And he compared it to college football. We've all talked about it for a long time about the need for like a, like a commissioner or something like yeah. that, that looks out for the actual good of the sport. Cause I would make the argument that, I mean, let's say this turns into a super league or, two super leagues. Um, or whatever. Yeah. And Iowa state's left out. Like, I don't think Iowa state fans are going to be like, Oh, I'm picking Auburn. That's going to be my new favorite. They won't watch. Right. And then, and then I think you'll see numbers drop and people won't subscribe to our website or your website as much. And I think it'll hurt everybody. Do you, do you think that there will be like a commissioner or something like that? I don't know what we would call it in the future. Now that, we're looking at name, image, and likeness and all Unfortunately, these other- I think it's going the other direction. I mean, yeah. absolutely in an ideal world, there would be some, somebody who's looking out for the greater good of the sport. We saw during COVID last summer that it, that, you know, they talked a big game about the five power five conferences were working together every day. And then immediately <laughs> big 10 said, we're doing this. And the sec said, no, we're doing this. And, um, and just, it's so college football that, my uh, Greg Sankey and Bob Bowlesby were on that playoff committee together. And the yeah. whole time yeah. Greg Sankey was like ready to stab him in the back. So no, I don't think, I mean, I think this Alliance was a pretty good sign of where things are going. Yeah. It's every man for himself. And with the NCA basically being neutered in that Supreme court decision uh, and, and Mark Emmert flat out saying, you know, he's basically like waved a white flag and said, I, I actually, I think we should be, decentralized. I think a lot of the stuff that's been decided nationally, you guys should be deciding on your own and they're going to have a, a uh, so-called constitutional convention to, to talk about that. So no, I think we're heading toward more of a conference driven model and you clearly got, I think you've got two super conferences right now in the sec and big 10 for whatever reason, the big 10 wants to align with these other two conferences. Um, even though I don't, I don't know what the, what they're getting out of that, but anyway, um, and and they're all, and they might like turn into little, you know, the SEC is going to make this rule for themselves and the big 10 and the other two are making this rule for themselves. Um, but you were saying about the intro. Yeah. I think they're, they're treading very dangerously right now. Like you don't want, like we know that, you know, the difference between an, a national championship game getting 18 million viewers as opposed to 25 million viewers is whether they can get the people who mostly follow the NFL and watch a few college games a year to tune into that game. And I think they're in danger of catering too much to those people. Like those people absolutely don't care about no offense, Iowa state football. football. They just want to watch Alabama and LSU and and so on. But at what expense, you know, are you going to alienate your, your, your loyal diehard people who go to the stadium every Saturday? And to which I would say, um, this is going to be a real test of, of loyalty, you know, college football fans are as passionate and loyal as they come. And, you know, this is going to be, this is going to be a real test of that. But again, this is why they have to go, you know, 
whatever the driving factor was for the 12 team playoff before, I think now it becomes exactly this, like the way Iowa state fans are going to stay invested in this sport. If they're perceived to be at like, uh, you know, not at the, the, the power five level is that they still have access to the playoff and could get in it and maybe make a run in it. And it won't matter whether they're power five or not. It's more of a mm-hmm. uh, yeah. NCAA tournament model, right? Where Gonzaga is in the WCC and they play in the national championship game. And um, it's not an exact uh, no, it's comparison to 68 teams, but um, it's more, it's more inclusive than what we have now where we are definitely in this kind of stale cycle where you can just like, we we have our staff, um, the athletic national writers at our playoff picks today. Mm-hmm. There is not a lot of diversity in those picks. Right, no. It's like a list of six schools. And some of us, and it was just a matter of which two, you know, which combination of those did we pick? So that's not a sustainable thing long-term. That's why they're going to this. Yeah, I think it's well said. And I guess, you know, what you just said is exactly what, us at Iowa State and the rest of the, the the seven schools in the Big 12 are feeling. And, you know, maybe we feel that there could be more of a national spotlight on exactly what you just said, that if we're going to be left out of this conversation and be treated essentially as an extension of the American, and even the American's been pretty successful in the last couple of years, the, even if it, the athletic is unaffiliated with these TV networks, but if you're treated like a, a second-class citizen in this conference-wise, I almost think it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that then it's harder to become a brand, it's harder to get on TV, and you end up just creating this super 50, whatever it'd be, 56, 57 schools. And so mm-hmm. I, think, I think talking about that more, I think at least on, on our end, would be, would be helpful on a national scale. And you have such a big voice, you and everybody else at The Athletic, that I guess... You know, our our challenge would be, I mean, to, to think about the, the, the seven of us and the rest of college football in that context a little bit more, rather than sometimes what we get is the, the quote unquote dancing on the grave of the demise of these these seven pretty proud institutions. I I, I hope nobody thinks I'm dancing on the grave. Uh there's a bit of a don't shoot the messenger. Uh, yeah, oh, I absolutely understand. Yeah. We get it. Uh, yeah. Is, it's pretty, That's like, one of the reasons why. The way, I, the way I said it is this. Yeah. In 2025, if it's really going to be that long, if you tell me like it's going to be Oklahoma, Alabama this week and Oklahoma, LSU next week, I'm absolutely going to watch those games. I'm so excited to watch those games. But that does not make me what, what, what it's taken to get to that still sucks. And, and, you know, I take no joy in what's happening to these eight schools. The one thing I'll say from the athletics perspective is we've always taken pride since we started this in 2017 in covering all of college football. We have a writer, Chris Vanini, who is solely dedicated to the group of five. We write more about the group of five than anybody. We have written Max Olson in particular, Scott Doctor, we've written lots and lots of Iowa state features uh, since they've begun this rise. And, We've written FCS, we've written uh, Division Three. You know, if it's a if it's a, a notable story, we cover it. Uh, we don't just yes, there is more Alabama, Ohio State, et cetera, on there than anybody else, but it's hardly the only thing we write about. Well, it's one of it's one of the reasons I'm a big fan. Why we wanted to get you on because I know if people heard your voice, they would know that you're not just this evil national guy who <laughs> likes to snicker down at us here in, in Ames, Iowa. But if you get, if you get out um, to cover the top 10 cyclones, I'll take you out for a steak dinner 
here in the heart of Iowa. Brent will join us Absolutely. and we'll, we'll buy your beer. We'll How talk about, about I gotta get there. I mean we'll, we'll do TV rating talk well, you, for three hours. You have yeah. to come now. Like you like this is the year. Like if you're gonna come, it has to be this year. So that's right. You're open invite. You can even stay in my basement. <laughs> I mean, one of my things I kinda I don't travel as much as I used to to games. You know, I used to go almost every week. Now it's more like three or four a year, but anytime I get to go to a stadium I've never been in a game is just is this like my favorite and I, I think I've been to 40 something college football stadiums but I've never been to Jack Trice so I want to I want to add that to the list at some point yeah it it's so different than it was even 10 years ago I wish you could have seen it then compared to now I mean it it, it really Brent it looks like you Brent used to go you know when Troy Davis was playing he sure. was sitting on the hillside watching those games and it's just the uh, the commitment that they've made to football is just in- incredible to be, to have a front row seat in for the last 15 years. And yeah, yeah I, I mean, think I think I, I made my point. I think that's why this, this whole thing sting for people so badly because of what we've all been witnessing. Yeah. But it's an open invitation. I think it would make ch- change your perspective on, uh, you know, I it's not, it's not little old Iowa state anymore. <laughs> You're always welcome. I'd love to come. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks, we, Stuart. we really appreciate your time. Uh, it's been great. And, um, Thanks again. Thanks for having me. All right. Appreciate it. That's uh, Stuart Mandel uh, from The Athletic. All right. Th- there you go. Uh, our conversation with Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. Uh, go on to Psych1Fanatic.com's forums and you can discuss what you heard in the interview and much more. We will have a Williams and Bloom podcast coming up on Sunday. This doesn't count for that. Um, we have a lot coming up next week, obviously, with kickoff. But thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. As always, if you like what you hear, rate, subscribe, and review. For Brent Bloom, for Stuart Mandel, my name is Chris Williams, signing off here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network.